red couplets, family reunion dinners, steamy piping hot dumplings and gala parties invariably form people's Chinese New Year memories. But Chinese New Year is never complete without lanterns. In fact, lanterns have always been part of Chinese festivities, be it ancient times or the present. Their warm lights, vibrant colors, along with colorful designs, all add to the festive atmosphere. The types and styles of Chinese lanterns vary from place to place. If you go to Hainin, Zhejiang province, you'd be surprised by how different the lanterns there look from other regions, or what one sees in Chinatowns in the West. Called Xiaoshi lanterns, they can be big or small, red or orange, round or octahedron. They can hang in the air, float on water, or stand on the ground. They can take the shape of a fish, a flying dragon, or a double-eaved pavilion. Regardless, they all share one feature. They all include tiny pinholes, thousands of them, all over the lantern body. That's what most distinguishes them from lanterns found in the rest of the country. Can you imagine how many pinholes you can fit onto a big lantern? I sometimes try. I do also wonder whether they are all made by hand or they use a machine, and how long it takes to make a large xiaoshi lantern piece. Generally, the density of the pinholes on the lantern is between 16 to 32 pinholes per square centimeter. We've actually counted pinholes on a big lantern work, which features one main pavilion and two adjacent smaller pavilions. It has about 4 million pinholes on it. Hu Jinlong, National Cultural Heritage Inheritor of Xiaoshi Lantern Art, is the one providing us with an exact number regarding the pinholes. And if 4 million is not a number impressive enough to you, here's another fact. They are all done manually. Imagine that! In a museum in Hainin, where some masterpieces of Xiaoshi Lanterns are housed, Hu Jinlong explains the unique features of some of his typical lantern works that have become the museum's collections. This lantern is called Wenhui Ge Pavilion. The pavilion is one of the classic themes for Hainin lanterns. It stands out because it's got millions of densely packed pinholes all over it. This piece over here is the Nine Dragon Sphere Lantern. Of course, it's got nine dragons on it. The scales of the dragons are attached piece by piece. That one is the Dragon Boat Lantern. What's unique about it is, its inbuilt power device has been running continuously for over 20 years. Hainin, in Zhejiang province, is famous for its tidal balls and folk arts. The lantern art of Xiaoshi, an ancient street in Hainin, became well-known in southern China around 1100 years ago and has thrived thanks to the convenient transportation and robust commerce activities of the local region since ancient times. They even went on the list of imperial tributes during the southern Song dynasty about 900 years ago. Xiaoshi lanterns are today a national intangible cultural heritage. 
Like many other traditional crafts, it too has had its waxing and waning days. Around the late 1970s, only a few folk craftsmen were still making the xiaoshi lanterns. Hu Jinlong was born in Jiaxing, not far from Haining, in 1953. Graduating from a secondary medical school, Hu became a doctor at a clinic attached to a state-owned cement factory in Haining. He would have continued his medical practice if it had not been for a request that came out of the blue. At the end of 1979, Haining's local government proposed a lantern parade to celebrate the following year's lantern festival in a bid to promote Xiaoshi's lantern craft. The factory where Hu Jinlong worked was invited to participate in the event. A few employees, including Hu Jinlong, were picked to form a temporary lantern-making team. Although we were all amateurs, we wanted to make a good lantern. So we invited Mr. Sun Weijun from Haining Arts and Crafts Service Department to guide our work. He suggested that we make a lantern themed on the golden rooster crooking the dawn. We thought that sounded all right, you know, making a rooster standing on a base using elements of xiaoshi lanterns. However, Hu and his teammates hadn't yet fully grasped the complexity of a xiaoshi lantern craft. The art of xiaoshi lantern making is a collection of crafts, including painting, poetry, calligraphy, seal carving, and conventional structural craft and needling techniques. In the beginning, most of the participants took the work on as a one-off stint. Of course, the quality of the work turned out to be short of expectations. Anybody could tell it didn't look right. Mr. Sun Weijun wasn't happy and demanded that they remake everything. Take the rooster armature making, for example. We couldn't model it properly. Either the wings went wrong or the head couldn't pose properly. We did it three times before the armature was right. If Mr. Sun hadn't seen so strict with the quality, had he okayed our shoddy work offhandedly, we would never have had made that beautiful rooster lantern. Sun Weijun was a well-known lantern artist in Haining, whose xiaoshi lantern works were presented to foreign friends as national gifts. Later, Sun became Hu Jinlong's mentor in lantern-making crafts. Hu Jinlong's role in the Golden Rooster project was to dress the lantern frame with fabric, then glue the paper patches on it. This step is called pasting. Pasting refers to the process when we glue thin fabric or paper lantern shell patches onto the lantern frame. This is a meticulous work that requires a lot of patience. When cutting out the shell patches, you can't afford to have any deviation. Otherwise, you won't be able to glue the patches properly. If the splicing is not neatly done, the shell patches will appear roughly. Then, you'd have to tear it off and redo everything. The team worked on the rooster lantern for nearly two months before they finished the project. Hu and his colleagues proudly paraded through the streets, carrying their self-made golden rooster lantern to the lantern festival in Xiaoshi in 1980. It was a grand parade for Hu and his colleagues.
Both Shanghai and Hangzhou had dedicated routes for that Lantern Festival tours to Xiaoshu. Before the Lantern Parade began, visitors were warned to keep walking during the parade and never stop to pick up a lost shoe or anything to avoid a stampede. At that time, the streets were crowded with lanterns and people. During the final contest segment, our Golden Rooster Lantern surprisingly won the Best Lantern Award. After this initial taste of success in lantern making, Hu Jinlong fell in love with this traditional art. Being associated with lanterns was just a chance encounter, but I seized the opportunity when it came my way, and it brought me all the way to where I am today. In 1980, Hu Jinlong decided to become apprentice to lantern artist Sun Weijun and set up a Xiaoshi lantern craft team in the cement factory. During his apprenticeship, Hu Jinlong discovered more about Xiaoshi lanterns. For example, the core step of making lanterns lies with the production of lantern shell patches. When making the lantern shell patch, we first sketch everything on the multi-layered paper. Then we carve out the areas of the design to be the brightest area on the lantern. Then we patch up the carved-out part with one thin layer of paper. Generally speaking, there are five layers of paper that make up the lantern shell, which makes it hard for light to easily go through. In comparison, the carved-out region has only one layer of paper, which guarantees good illumination and transparency. The next step is pinning the shell with the needle pen. These pinholes allow light to shine through. When that's done, we do the painting on the paper shell, which completes the making of a shell patch. When illuminated by a light source, you'll see the delicate patterns created through formation of these pinholes. Xiaoshi lanterns are particularly known for their pinhole patterns on the shells. When light passes through these pinholes, it projects vivid and lifelike three-dimensional images and artful patterns with different layers of shading, alongside windows showcasing traditional paintings or calligraphy work. Pinning a hole through a piece of paper with a needle pen sounds pretty easy. Everybody can do it, right? But pinning numerous holes in a way so that the pinholes are finely distributed to create consistent patterns or even paintings is quite another thing. A good mastery of different needling techniques and enough patience are equally important for the craft. One of the most commonly used needling techniques is what we call Po Hua Zhen technique. Pinholes created with this technique can form a line horizontally, vertically, and diagonally. Another important technique is freehand needling. This technique is applied when, say, I want to have more light transmitted through a certain area, then I make densely distributed pinholes in this designated area. Conversely, if I pin the shell relatively sparingly, I can create darker light transmission effect. The freehand needling technique is not something that anyone can do. It requires some level of artistic training. After two years of training and practice, and multiple lanterns made or failed, Hu Jinlong and his team began to aim for something big. They wanted to create a lantern big and beautiful enough to amaze the public. In 1986, 
Hu Jinlong and his team decided to take on the challenge of one of Xiaxi's classic lantern themes, three adjacent pavilions. The inspiration comes from real Chinese ancient buildings of the sort, where three adjacent pavilions sit on one foundation and are arranged in the format of the Chinese character Pin. The team wanted to approach this traditional theme with more innovation, new material, and lighting technology. But with the initial step of designing the draft, Hu Jinlong ran into quite a challenge. When drawing the whole design on paper, we had to consider everything thoroughly, from step one to the final step of mounting all the decorations. Every millimeter needs to be calculated accurately, especially the height of the corrugated pavilion rooftop. A teeny tiny deviation would lead to the failure of joining three pavilions together. Luckily, Mr. Sun Weijie gave us a lot of guidance, and I was able to complete the initial design. His experiments at new materials and new lighting went quite smoothly, though. Tin sheets cut from cookie boxes had replaced the traditional yarns as pavilion railings, which gave the lantern a better textural quality and made them more long-lasting. That said, the key to determining the make or break of the entire lantern is still the needling craft. Creating pinholes on the corrugated edges of the pavilion turned out to be unusually challenging. The pinholes needed to be neat and uniform. Hu Jinlong did it manually without the help of any auxiliary tools. Pinning skills indeed test a person's patience. It requires a person to do the job from beginning to end in order to create a corrugation. If two people share the work, the illumination effect will be different. Even the slightest difference in individual needling style will result in one end of the roof appearing darker than the other end. Two years later, in 1988, the three adjacent pavilions' lantern, which measured two meters tall and featured four million pinholes, was finally unveiled to the public. Its delicate design and exquisite craftsmanship helped Hu Jinlong and his team pocket a gold medal four years later at a national lantern competition. The success prompted the official establishment of Xiaxi Lantern Craft Society, still attached to the cement factory. Shortly after, Hu Jinlong undertook some personal work changes and had to leave the society for two years. While he was away, the Lantern Society's operation ran into financial difficulties. The society's fate was hanging by a thread when Hu returned. Did Hu Jinlong manage to reverse the fate of his beloved Xiaxi Lantern Craft Society? How have Xiaxi Lanterns regained their popularity? More to come on Footprints. The historical cultural district of Nanguanxiang in Hainan City is a well-preserved ancient street. Strolling through the street and enjoying the colorful lanterns as night falls has become a popular pastime for the locals today. Businesses on both sides of the alleyways are adorned with colorful lanterns. Their yellowish lights dimly shine on the slab stones, giving the whole street a warm tone. 
not too far away, lanterns on stone bridges flicker in the gentle breeze. It's a dreamy scene for visitors. But would all of these lanterns still be here had craftspeople like Hu and his team members decided to quit the craft about three decades ago in 1995? I had quite a mental struggle then over whether we should keep the Xiaoshi Lantern Craft Society going. I feared if I took over the society, I wouldn't be able to feed my team. If I didn't, this craft would risk no inheritors. In the end, I said I would give it a try. Our factory okayed on the condition that we took care of ourselves financially. On January the 1st, 1995, I officially took charge of the Lantern Society's work. And I suggested we take our lanterns on exhibition tours. From eastern China to southern China, from shopping malls to tourist sports, who took their lanterns on every possible tour he could to let more people see the beauty of Xiaoshi lantern art. It worked. Booking orders increased substantially, which helped the Lantern Society out of financial difficulty. But just as the lantern business started to pick up and Hu and his team were about to let out a deep sigh of relief, along came another challenge. The late 1990s saw the influx of many new types of lighting products, which further squeezed the small market for traditional lanterns. As if that wasn't bad enough, Hu Jinlong's lifelong mentor, lantern artist Sun Weijun, passed away in 1998. Hu Jinlong was left to grope his way out, all alone this time. He decided to resort to more innovation to make his lanterns more sturdy, more dazzling, and more accessible price-wise for the general public. He revisited some popular traditional lantern themes, such as Lotus Bolt, but approached it with new designs and new materials. Lotus boats are small boats people use to pick lotus flowers and seeds, and are often seen on lakes in southern China. Lotus flowers represent peace and harmony and upright character traits in Chinese culture. As people believe lotus flowers grow out from the muddy riverbed and yet remain untainted. The bow and stern of a lotus boat are usually loaded with boxes and flower baskets. I want the whole boat to be a giant lantern, carrying smaller lotus flower lanterns as additional ornaments. Xiaoshi lanterns once used oil lamps, candles, and light bulbs as light sources. Hu Jinlong went for a new light source with the Lotus Boat Lantern to achieve the desired brightness and transparency. We introduced multiple LED light sources, which are brighter and more energy efficient. This way, we avoided blind spots within the big lanterns. They also helped the lantern reach our desired level of transparency. Then he tried another major innovation. While traditional lantern artists used grass paper to make lotus flower petals, Hu Jinlong switched to fabric. What we are using now are all new materials such as synthetic fabric or silk gauze. Then we use metal wire to shape the outer contours of the lotus. These changes lend the lotus flowers lifelike delicate form and color. Like every other lantern who had made, the crucial step in making the lotus boat lantern was steel needling. 
who and his team laboriously made over one million pinholes on the Lotus Boat Lantern, employing a variety of needling techniques. The needle pen needs to go straight down and perpendicular into the fabric in order for the pinhole to be round. When we needle, we have to finish a whole shell patch along the same direction. The largest shell patch can be over 50 centimeters long. If you needle it halfway and flip the other end around to continue the work, the illumination effect will not be the same, and the whole patch will go to waste. The project took Hu and his team more than a year to finish, but it did them proud and won them the gold medal at the Seventh Mountain Flower Awards, the topmost prize within Chinese folk literature and art circles. In 2006, Xiaoshi lanterns were recognized as a national intangible cultural heritage. With more support coming in, Hu Jinlong and the team have created various types of lanterns over the past several decades, again winning several awards along the way. While continuing with traditional themes such as pavilions and pagodas, birds and animals, boats and flowers, they also explore new themes and create bold original works. Thanks to the efforts of people like Hu and his fellow craftsmen, Xiaoshi lanterns have regained its popularity among the general public. However, due to high cost, Xiaoshi lanterns have not yet widely gone into ordinary homes. We have been researching on mechanized operations, such as using computers or lasers for the needling work. We're trying out PVC molds to replace wire armatures for some types of commercial lanterns to bring down the cost and make it more affordable for most people. We're also making smaller lanterns that can hang on the wall or sit on office desks. Meanwhile, Hu has also set his eyes on the overseas market. Over the years, they have taken their lanterns to countries including Spain, Russia, and Qatar. Today, Xiaoshi lanterns produced by them are sold all over the world. Despite of all the innovations and the application of new technology, Hu Jinlong often reminds his team that the traditional characteristics of Xiaoshi lanterns must be preserved. When we make lanterns, whether it's a big or a small one, we must distinguish ours from other lanterns. We need to maintain our own characteristics, our own cultural features. We must preserve the pinhole feature of our lanterns and the needling techniques, which are the things that set us apart from other lanterns. They are the cultural features that tell people that ours are Xiaoshi lanterns. As a national inheritor of Xiaoshi lantern art. Hu Jinlong has, for decades, persisted in accepting apprenticeship and training young artists. Now, Haining has several dozen professional Xiaoshi lantern craftspeople, and over a hundred amateurs who can make Xiaoshi lanterns. Now, in his seventies, Hu Jinlong is still working on developing Xiaoshi lantern art. I believe if one spends his entire life doing one thing and sticking to it till the end, one can definitely achieve something. That's what I did in the past forty years. That was the story of lantern art master Hu Jinlong. Next time you see Chinese lanterns, why not see if they are the Xiaoshi lanterns?
With that, we conclude this edition of Footprints. Thanks for listening. If you are interested in hearing more about the lives of ordinary but incredible people in China, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Just key in Footprints, and you can find more stories anytime, anywhere. We'll see you next time. I'm Ningjing. Happy Chinese New Year.